Video Gamer Podcast number 479. I'm your host, Josh Wise, joined by someone new. Uh-oh. Whoops. It's uh, it's Matt from Upstairs. Hello, Matt from Upstairs. How are you? I'm very good, Josh. You know, it's mm. um, it's a real time of change in the UK <laughs> at the moment. A real sort of, you know, changing of the guard. And uh, yeah. and we obviously thought we'd just, you know, we'd do the same thing. And that's, we, that's why we've got you on. A sort yeah. of, you know, a royal presence. Um, yeah, of course. Yes, yes. This is a, a slightly strange week uh, because Rich has got some sort of uh, last minute business. So I thought we'll do a little swap a Rooney, get Matt on the pod, uh, and then get Rich to jump in for the quiz. Because we've never actually had you on the. I think you've popped in before for yeah. sort of like, you know, oh, you've been playing a particular thing. But this will be kind of a first. So, you know. So, yeah, uh, first first standard one, right? I feel like I did like a game of the year one where I was on for the whole thing. Oh yeah, of course was, you did. But that's mm. that's a different a different vibe entirely, it, isn't it? Like, it is. It is. Um, but yeah, this is usually the part of the podcast where we report in on the general food uh, that we've been eating over the last week. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say w- one of the listeners uh, last week uh, recommended the Walker's Sensations Naan chips. Uh, oh yes. Mm, mm. Have you had these? Is these the lime pickle ones? They now they recommended lime pickle and I had them and they were brilliant. Um and I've since gone back and now I've tried the garlic and herb ones as well. Also brilliant. But not not crisps. Crucially, the no. word chips is well chosen. Yeah. Because they are little chips of naan, right? Mm. Like it's, um, but yeah. Because I, I think I had the garlic and herb. I've not had the lime pickle one, but I've had the garlic and herb one, and mm. they go down very easy. Uh, like, for me, that's like the best, probably the best garlic and herb. It gets the creaminess of the garlic and herb like nothing else I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because it's it's a it's a fine powder, like it is everything else, right? But once it hits your tongue, <laughs> yeah. sorry, we're getting into the, the real like chemistry of it here. <laughs> But it hits your tongue. It does add this sort of like creaminess to it. No, those were those were very good. Those disappeared in our household very yeah. very quickly. Did you did you do because I know because I've, I've sort of given it you know sort of shared them around with uh, with flatmates who have reported back a lot sort of taken aback by the texture, sort of not really ready for the fact that it's truly not a crisp. You know, it's quite it's like a plank. It's like a cracker. Yeah, or something. It does it does snap right. It like does. it does. Oh, yeah, you, you yeah. could snap it, but it doesn't. It's not crisp against your teeth. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's dippable. It's, it, yeah, it, yeah. You che- it chews a little yeah. bit because there's a thickness definitely to it. It's it's sort of like if you put too many cheddar, if you stacked too many cheddars, yeah. maybe, and then sort of you know stuck them together. It's a very good dipping mechanism because you know that thing where you dip a Dorito, but the Dorito breaks under the force of the dip. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, these appear to have been sort of forged. Just, just to sort of completely deal with that problem. So that's top, top news. Uh, oh, I mean, me. I mean, sensations never miss, do they? Really? Like, do you I know what you're last, right. Last yeah. time I had something sensations branded that was like, you know, oh, you know, not great. No, always good. No. Even, even if it's like not your absolute favourite, you sort of end up going, oh Jesus, that was bold and remarkable. Like that, like they're all, they've always got something to say. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, the real innovators of the crisp world. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. No, they truly are. And also, and this is this is weird, because I know you're a Kit Kat Chunky fan. Um, yes. I recently 
because we've had we've had various listeners. One of them recommending the Lotus Biscoff Kit Kat Chunk, which I've not had. Have you had that one? No, I'm I'm all right with like Lotus and Biscoff stuff. I do actively like it, but I don't sort of seek it out the same okay. way other people do. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Well, this one it's kind of an odd one because I don't know when it started to exist, and it's really obvious. It's just Kit Kat Chunky with caramel. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. I, I saw it in Tesco, and I was like, well, do, wh- 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 has that existed this whole time? Like, because obviously that's just an obvious one, right? That's just... <laughs> ca- well, well, car- well, important clarification. Is it caramel, or is it salted caramel? It Now, it's caramel. It's a, it's quite a thick, gloopy kind of caramel. You know, like Ooh, okay. how yeah, yeah, the yeah. Kit Kat Chunkies, they're quite deep-filled with whatever they've got in them. There, there's quite a lot of it. Like, you know, you have the peanut butter one. It's like, yeah. oh, there's, actually, there's quite a lot in there. It's kind of like that. Now, it's not salted... But it is it is delicious. It's a different sort of caramel than you'd have in, than you'd oh, say, nice. a Mars bar or a Snickers. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit of an obvious one. And if you see it in Tesco or wherever, you might think, oh, that's a bit plain. Don't skip out on the Kit Kat Chunky <laughs> with caramel. It, it's it's a bloody good bar, would be my would be my thing. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I keep yeah. an eye out for it. Excellent. Right. We got some uh, we got some exciting stuff this week. I mean, the news is ridiculous, obviously. Oh, the news bag's bulging, isn't it? Like it's it's too, it, uh, too overflowing. So if there's any that I sort of breeze past, it's annoying because some of the ones it's like, oh well, in a slow week I'd give that one 5 minutes, yeah. but if I bre- <laughs> yeah. if I breeze <laughs> yeah. past a couple of them it's like, all right, well we got a lot to be cracking on with. Uh, also some interesting games. So without further ado, uh, have a jingle and let's jump in. Tie the Tasmanian Tigers coming back, coming back, coming back. Tie the Tasmanian Tigers coming back, coming back. Tie is back. Tie's coming back. Tie is back. Back. I'm pumped because I love Tie. Tie was my your guy. He was my guy. Mm. He had big red shorts. He was like the Tasmanian Tiger. Oh yeah. Did he have a tood? He had a root tood. He had a root tood. <laughs> yeah. And he had a boomerang. This week on what we've been playing, the big one, I suppose, is uh, NBA 2K23, uh, which is, it's, I mean, you know, it. they've basically got a monopoly. And, you know, I've, I've talked about these games when when they, when they pop up on a kind of yeah. annualised basis. Now, I know you're not um, completely au fait with NBA, but you are a FIFA sort of addict. So I know yeah. that you know, you know, when one company's got a monopoly, that company, that game, you know, because it doesn't really have to compete, sometimes they get a little bit stagnant. Yeah, you know? sometimes, sometimes it, the people joke about it being the same game. Sometimes it feels like the same game. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. And like the weird thing, so you, it's, it's always like, you know, the question that the kind of annual sports game player asks, you know, someone else is always like, is this one of those ones where nothing's happened or is this one of those years when they've actually moved it forwards a bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what what is this one then, Josh? So, so this this one's kind of a... It's one where they've moved... It's one where they've done some stuff and the game is okay. notably different from, you know, from the last year. Now... Whether or not that stuff is good or bad is going to depend <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on player to player. Um... So I'll start with the kind of baffling stuff, um, and then I'll move, and then I'll move on to the you know to the good stuff. So Excellent. the baffling stuff for me is always classic teams, um, which is something that NBA is just brilliant at doing, and I don't really know why other sports games don't do this. Um, 
Like, okay. it'd, be, it'd be amazing to have it in like FIFA or something if you could have yeah. like the 2002 Arsenal squad like the Invincibles or, so, or whatever you Ooh, know. Pick, no pick you're your right f- that would be yeah 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 yes and they always do it and they just do it by year so they'll be like oh it's the 1991 Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan you know so they'll have like a yeah. roster of classic team which is brilliant if, if you're like a fan of, of the NBA especially in it's like you know best eras like the 1990s or the 80s or something it's just a real treat and 2K are always like well, not always, but, but, you know, when they do add some new ones, they always pick them really, really well. And, you know, the weird thing about 2K23 is that there aren't any new uh, classic teams. And that's fine. That's that's happened before. Huh. It, 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 you know, they can't do them every single year because they'd pay for licensing and all sorts of stuff. Um, but they have got new classic teams in the game, just not available to play, which so- is really weird. Is that in the Michael Jordan stuff? Is that the Jordan it, Challenge yes, stuff? Yes, it's, it's partly in the... Yeah, so so that's the sort of the big thing with, with yeah. this year's entry is that it sort of brings back the Jordan Challenges from 2K11, which is, you know, you get to relive Michael Jordan's greatest moments. Yeah. Um, you know, all of his famous career highlights. You get to sort of do it, and they're really, really cool. But what that means is, yeah, you know, you have to play against the teams from that era as well. And originally, that was sort of where the classic teams came from. They started in 2011, um, and then for 2k12 they added a bunch more only the really weird thing is in this one they've redone all of the jordan challenges from 2k11 and added five new ones as well so the teams that you play against are actually brand new teams it's like yeah. oh well you know I'm, I'm i'm playing the 95 bulls and they're they actually haven't that you you can't pick them on the team select screen and sometimes they're really really cool it's like oh i'm i'm, I'm playing like you know uh a, a New York Knicks team, you know, from from the from from the nineties or something, with like completely fresh players on them, and they have they have another mode called uh, NBA Eras, which allows okay. you to you can do like a whole season, you know, I could do like a my career, you, know, you pick yeah, a team, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that stuff, but you can frame it in an era of your choosing, and they do the eighties, the nineties, the noughties, and then the modern era, and it's oh. like you know. You can start a season in 1982, and it'll say, "Oh, well, we'll sim the, the you know the 1982 draft class," and that will sort of come in. And stuff. But the really weird thing is that you can do that, and it's got like a full uh, sort of cavalcade of classic teams. Um, so you know, you'll have like the 1982 yeah. Philadelphia 76ers or whatever, and it's like the really weird thing is you can you can sort of activate another controller and another person can play <laughs> as one of those teams but only if you go into this weird career mode and you happen to get lucky with and also it's like trades happen all the time in that mode and injuries yeah. happen so you kind of have to get through so it's like why, that's really why bizarre that? you've got all these teams you've got all these players and stuff and you've even got like the proper logos and yeah you know and the rules change as well it's like oh back in the 90s you could be a lot more physical on defense and stuff it's like but you didn't you didn't add those just to normal exhibition that's which is really like, bizarre because there's a level of detail there right there's an attention yeah. to detail which is so extreme and so then not put that in i, I mean I don't know if you call it main mode, but if it's anything like kickoff in FIFA, it is a mode that, you know, are so many people going to be playing in multiplayer, in local, you know, sort of things, and just be like, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Do you think it's reasonable? Because I I was sort of saying, I I know that I play 2K in what I think is possibly a strange way, (laughs) but I don't know if it's that strange, but I'll get your reaction to it. So my thing with 2K is just every year, 
um, I'll get the game, and like me and my flatmates love it, so we'll just play it like hundreds of games throughout the year on a casual thing, and I'll just do exhibition matches until next year's game comes out. I'm not really interested in Ultimate Team or my career or my face or any of the things that they put in there. I yeah. just do exhibition, and I wonder how common that way of doing it actually is. Do you think a lot of people just get FIFA and just do exhibition until the next year? Like, I think, or is that just well, I think me? especially like I don't know. I think especially if you're growing up as a kid with like brothers and sisters, which a lot of the audience for sports games is, mm. I think you will play a lot of you know kickoff or exhibition or whatever. Like you will just sit there and play multiplayer against each other. And like so, mm. I used to play a lot more of that when I was like you know nearby friends or yeah people coming around after school. And over mm. time, like less and less of that. But it's still it's a major mode. It's the major <laughs> sort of multiplayer yeah. thing and that, even if it wasn't that still wouldn't excuse the weird decision of not for playing. sure like yeah yeah, yeah that's can you very, imagine very... how like weird that would be in fifa if they had like <clears throat> i don't know whatever the golden age of football is and they're like yeah oh yeah you can you can play yeah. against like you know the, the the 1998 manchester united team it's like yeah you can't actually play as them just in a quick oh, match, though. So it would be utterly bizarre to it, to yeah. include that. Like if they were like, "Oh yeah, this is the this is the Newcastle entertainers." Uh, yeah, you know, you've got and then being like, "Well, yeah, but the only place you can play them is in this one. Is in that challenge one mode. or something?" Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. utterly Which, bizarre it's, decision. Yeah, I shouldn't complain that much because the thing is, like, the modes themselves are really cool ideas. Like it is brilliant. It's just it's such a one foot forward, one foot back. Yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, it's, oh, it's baffling. It's baffling enough that you you can't help but complain about it because <laughs> it seems like an easy win. If it's something you're like, I don't know how complicated it is to do, and therefore I can't complain. This one, you're like, no, no, I, they, they could they could have done that. They just, well, they're on the yeah, they're on the disc. Yeah, you know, they're in the the, the the zeros and ones are right there in the game code. They have the license faces for the play. You know, it's like yeah, but yeah, but whatever. And of course, this is the funny thing when you're a, a sort of helpless consumer of an annualized sports game is that you start quibbling with the little things yes and actually you can sound quite ungrateful i should say as well uh you know these modes are really cool though and they are you know different and new and it is doing things that lots of other sports games you know are not doing and could do and would be brilliant if they did do yeah um you know i've had i've had friends who play fifa you know come around and play nba and they're amazed at the overall just the presentation the commentary yeah, you, t- you tend to hear that yeah mm. it's supposed to be a bit of a bit of a gold standard when it comes oh, to it really is man it re- i really wanted 2k to get you know fifa you know how like fifa was yeah. was sort of like i think you know, it, supposed to i be. think it probably will i think it mm, i think it is going yeah i mean yeah fifa are, they're you know hunting for a, a studio a development team mm. a publisher for for a new for, for FIFA now, now that it's EA Sports FC, and I think I think 2K will get it. I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. About exhibition. Because I think, well, what are you lot all talking about? Because my thing with exhibition is just concentrate on the actual basketball on the court because surely that's the main thing each year (laughs) you know i'm like yeah defensive shader system which indicates which way you're sort of steering your offensive player away from the basket you have to it emphasizes positioning above everything else in last year 
last year's entry, you'd, you'd sort of activate your, you know, your defensive hustle and you'd sort of grip onto the opposing player and really kind of glue onto them. This yeah. year, you really have to consciously think to yourself, are they going to drive to the basket or are they going out left? Because I need to take a step back, otherwise they're going to blow past me. Like, you really, they've slowed it down, you know. Uh, and as someone who doesn't pay attention to the NBA, would you say that's more accurate to how the game is played in real life? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, f- yeah, f- for, for sure. Especially in the modern era, like when, yeah. so you know, it's a lot more, it's a lot less physical now. So the rules really, you know, favour the offensive player. The sort of sport is sort of geared around the fact that, well, we want to see you know buckets because buckets yeah. look awesome. So that's what we want to see. So like, you really can't manhandle you know you, you, the opposing player like you could in the nineties or the eighties, where basically if you drove to the hoop, you get knocked on your ass. Like it was really physical back then. So you know the new way of doing you know defense is is more delicate it does require a lighter touch and it does require you know kind of real awareness of well I shouldn't really be standing this close I need to cut him off because he's going to go right you know so if you watch the sport I'm convinced you'll 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 end up finding that more rewarding so this is one of the more meaningful 2ks for sure with a couple of really head scratchy baffling unless <laughs> if one of the listeners or if i if i because i haven't like i mean christ i don't know how one could complete this game i've, pl- I've put a lot of hours into it if, if there's some crazy thing where you know down the line it turns out you actually can unlock all of these teams for exhibition then i'll then i'll hold my i'll eat my hat you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after many hours there doesn't seem to be a way of doing it anyway so a little bit baffling but on the whole this is one of those good entries you know yeah um, yeah that's good to hear in the meantime, uh, just a little, a little sort of step back. Uh, you, we, we were saying just before the, uh, the the mics were hot. You've gone back um, and played Sekiro: Shadows Die twice, which is very, very interesting to me. I replayed that game earlier this year. Oh, okay. Um, strangely enough, it was when it was just after I played Elden Ring. Um, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. That sounds about right to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh, these are these are pretty good video games. I should go back and play Sekiro. And I still am unsure. Like Sekiro is all my, is close to being my favourite, but I, ju- I don't think it can quite top Bloodborne for me. But I don't, but I'm always in two minds about it. What are your thoughts? And why have you gone back to it? Out of interest. Well, I'm not going back to it. I am playing it for the first time. I, this is my first playthrough. So what? So I. After Elden Ring, mm. I went back and I finally played the Dark Souls 3 DLC. So I'd finished oh, Dark Souls nice. 3 ages ago, but I f- played the Dark Souls 3 DLC for the first time, had an absolutely cracking time, and then I was like, I just, I've had a bit of a craving for From Software this whole year since Elden Ring. <laughs> so then I went back to Bloodborne, I started a new play through on Bloodborne, and I got the Platinum on that for the first time, did the Chalice Dungeons fully for the first time like yeah yeah you have to do it for the thing so did all beat the final boss of the challenge dungeons um and then Sekiro was on sale a few weeks ago at half price on the playstation store i think which is still like 30 quid but i mean for Sekiro, that's pretty good it doesn't tend to go lower than that oh for sure for sure i picked it up and i started playing it and i'm i'll tell you what the first hour or so josh i did not have a good time (laughs) i did not i really (laughs) tell me more tell me more what's why i was just really bouncing off of it and i could not work out why and i think it's due to the way that i tend to play sort of dark souls and bloodborne i'm quite a, a a more defensive 
player in those games i tend to back off so like i did um i was really pleased with this i did um in dark souls 3 i did slave night gale on my first go and it was mainly because i was just backing up from him with a shield up the entire time like it was uh so going into sekiro and sort of being forced into yeah. you know constant combat was a bit of a a bit of a trial by fire and i think it's it's a lot to learn very quickly but mate honestly it, it's slowly becoming one of my absolute favorites the more options you get given as well the more things you unlock as you go on, all of the um, not trick weapons. That's Bloodborne. What are the prosthet- the prosthetics? The Shinobi prosthetics. Yeah, the more of those I get, and the more options that gives you in combat, and all the sort of the abilities. I'm just having the best time with it. And uh, nice. Oh, I mean, those boss fights are insane, right? They are. So, I mean, one of the so the, the, the sort of the two I think really interesting things about Sekiro. Uh, one of them is is how. I think from software is able to keep doing what it does, but also introduce things that really like in a big way change what that fundamental oh, God, thing yeah. is. Yeah. I think Bloodborne was sort of brilliant because that's the one where it really, I mean, your particular playstyle that you mentioned just there, Bloodborne yeah. would be the one that would really punish that. Uh, Sekiro yeah. would punish it, but Bloodborne would be the one where it's like, oh yeah, I mean, there just is no block button. I mean, no, that's, there's no block know. at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the really they're really good at doing that. In fact, I think in Bloodborne, there's even at one point there's that little wooden shield, and if you read the almost item a description, joke, right? It's yeah. a little joke. It's like, it, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I love that because it appears as well. That item is right next to a little like bonfire. Yeah, like there's a little like bit of fire going on. And the item's yeah. right there, and it's just being like, yeah, this isn't Dark Souls, mate. Like, I know. <laughs> the, and the description the dis- is like, it's like, oh, don't. Not- rely too much on people yeah. who rely too much on this won't go won't get far or something you know something ba- like basically that. says like useless when hunting beasts that's and right like, that's yeah. <laughs> and uh, i think one of the really good things with sekiro is it's got that posture system it's got that oh, you know yeah but what they did that was really interesting was to get rid of stamina completely um so you know you can just get you could just do absolutely whatever you like in sekiro and the parry system is sort of like you know, defense is really important, but it doesn't feel like defense feels in the other games. It's almost like no. an active defense. It's, it's the same. It feels the same as attacking. You're pressing that yes. that, that parry button as often as you're pressing the the attack button. Yeah, um, especially when you get, like enemies. And like you're right, the lack of a stamina bar. I didn't really clock it until one of the uh, what I think is like a mid game boss fight, but I don't know where I am. Mm. Um, where I just realized that the more i was attacking the better i was doing i didn't have to stop there was literally no reason for me to stop hitting yeah. uh, r1 at any point and when i sort of clocked that i was just really going for it and being like yeah it's nice not to have to think about backing up and letting your stamina <laughs> come back up and uh, yeah for sure and it really feels if you can get on the front foot with like an aggressive play style against some of the bosses mm. you can really start to you know whittle their health down whittle their it's the posture, posture down the, yeah, yeah yeah for sure that's the real one because that yeah and the, the other the other thing it did because the sort of the other big thing that Sekiro did was no, no more leveling which yeah. on the one hand you know if you're a big if you're an rpg grinder and your, your strategy with um with FromSoft games is, is to kind of increase your level um it'll do you no good at all because there are no levels it's all no. dependent on what gear you've got and it's got a sort of old school you know skill tree with different abilities that you, that you can unlock and i really like that i i know it's sort of you could look at that and think oh they you know they're, they're, they're making it even more difficult but weirdly i always find stuff like that when when your tools are limited and you know that you have what you need from the very beginning it's yeah. almost liberating because i always end up thinking 
ah, well, whatever's happening, I know I can solve it now. So it's yeah. only a matter of execution, you know? And there's something in that. I really like that. It's almost like... Yeah, you never end up in that situation that you can do in, like, a Souls game or something like that where... You're like, why am I doing no damage to this boss? I've been fine until now. And mm. what you don't realise unless you look it up online is that you've got a slashing weapon and this one boss is really, you know, strong against slashing damage. Ex- exactly. But is really yeah. weak against thrust. And uh, I, I think, it, But it is interesting because um, we're from games. They, they range, don't they? I think Bloodborne is closest to Sekiro. You've got so you still got more options in Bloodborne, but nowhere mm. near as many as you do in a game like Dark Souls. And then yeah. Elden Ring pushes that even further in terms of the amount of the options that you have. And oh, gotcha. in terms of accessibility to people, Elden Ring has proved to be the most accessible, right? Like the sheer mm. number of options you have when taking on any enemy or where you go or anything like that has made that game the best selling game that Fromm's yeah. ever made because people have gone, Well, I can play this, I can fuck around and not fight a boss for you know five hours and just massively over level <laughs> and come back and kick their ass and Sekiro's and right on the other end of that being like well if you don't fight this boss mm. you're not getting the items that help you that help you actually up. get better yeah. yeah and it's sort of it's way of balancing that is, is to sort of go but 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 at the same time you'll never come up against a boss you know yeah. that, that you can't attack. That you can, all that it's a much flatter curve in Sekiro because it's sort of like you and should tell you be what, able to. You know, I found the difficulty really interesting in Sekiro, and I said this to Dan yesterday, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I'm not, but I have really struggled with some of like you know like the mini bosses you find out in the world mm. and like big groups of enemies and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I've struggled against those for you know like half an hour at a time, hour at a time. Um, I beat Lady Butterfly on my first go. I ah, beat nice. um, the drunkard Jin- Gyozu, yeah, the, yeah, the oh, drunkard. Jin, no, Jin, yeah, yeah, the drunk fellow who spits yeah. all the stuff at you. Yeah, I beat him yeah. on my first go, and nice. I did the the guy on the horse with the spear. Oh, that's Gyobu. Yeah, yeah, I did him on my first go as well, and I've I, they're fantastic boss battles, and like mm. I've had like tougher ones against like. Um, Genichiro, that was a fantastic. Oh, that was oh, a great, that's great such boss a fight. Brilliant boss fight. Yeah, that. yeah, that that's so. Yeah, and that, that was the one where I was like, oh, if I play really aggressively here, actually, like, I just keep whittling the health down. I think the health posture thing is really interesting as well, because technically mm. you never have to hit them, right? Like, you <laughs> yeah. can just only ever get parries, and they, they parry you. You can never take the health down. Technically, that builds up the bar, but if you get in those, like, slashes, and mm. you feel like you're actually doing damage, and then you're like, well, they, you know, they're losing posture way quicker now, because they're bleeding out, and stuff. Yes. It's... It's really interesting. I just did the Guardian Ape was my last boss fight, and um, <laughs> oh, man. and I do I do wish I wish that had been a surprise for me because oh. I already knew about the the thing, but it was still like such a it's a brilliant fight, that oh. isn't it? And they're all, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I've every single time I've done a fight, I've recorded it afterwards. I've hit the share button on PS5 because I'm like. And I've watched it since. I've just sat there and watched it for like five minutes and being like, God, that was fun. That, God, that was, that was, and they, they're, they're fantastic to watch. It makes you look like, it makes you look good. Which I feel like, I, I watch back like Bloodborne fights where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, do you know what I mean? Whereas I feel like Sekiro, no matter what, even if you die, you looked cool you for do a decent still, period of time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure you do. It's got that knack about it. And it's so beautifully framed. All the action always oh, unfolds yeah. in really cool places. No, it's it's great stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm glad glad you're enjoying it. It's a it yeah. Is. I'm having a good time. The only thing that I have with it, and I think it's sort of coming off. I think more more so than Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Maybe because I've already played those games and it was longer ago that I've forgotten it. But I feel like Sekiro is the one where they keep mentioning going to places and having to do this, and I'm like, 
mate, I don't know what you're talking about until I'm there. <laughs> and then I and I get there and I got a flower and I'm like, oh, this, is this the thing you was talking about? I didn't know this is where I was. Like, I've, I've had way uh, more of a struggle, like, framing places in the world yeah, and for sure. stuff it's like way, that. way more sort of oblique. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, that makes sense. I remember also being kind of confused at a lot of the stuff uh, in that game. It warrants replaying, I think, which which helps because it's quite linear and quite, yeah. quite focused. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good stuff. Uh, and last but not least, um, I've been playing a game called Sunday Gold, uh, which Ooh. is uh, an intriguing one. It's a sort of turn-based... Um, well, it's actually kind of a, a mix-up of genres, really. So it's, a, on the one hand, a kind of point-and-click adventure, uh, but then you go into battles, which are sort of little turn-based sort of uh, RPG you know, strategy things. The premise is you're in a kind of futuristic London... Um, it's you're sort of part of a criminal posse, uh, and there's a uh, an organisation I think it's called Hogan Corporation, um, okay. who are it's a sort it's a sort of dystopia. Think sort of Watchdogs Legion, but yes. quite quite a lot more kind of comic book. Um, okay, quite yeah, yeah, exaggerated yeah, yeah. art style, you know, quite quite sort of Watchdogs um, Legions meets Judge Dredd type of yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and it's quite funny, you know. There's lots of sort of Cockney uh, st- sort of geezers uh, <laughs> with really funny voiceovers that that are kind of you know Landon and you know <laughs> the, 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 drinking in the Jolly Hangman Pub and all all that all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. it actually reminds me weirdly of. Um, uh, like the Getaway Gangs of London on PSP because I, I knew I knew that's what you were going to say. I absolutely really? knew you were going to say the Getaway. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's not really anything. I mean, that was like a sort of action, you know, sort of shooter open world thing. And this is this is very much like a sort of turn based, um, you know, strategy. But yeah. it's it's that idea of like uh, the, the sort of the more bite sized excursions that the sort of gangsters that are yeah. doing, you know, sort of little repeatable tasks. And um, it's it's good. It's it's interesting. It's by BKOM Studios, and it's published by Team Seventeen. It's um, it's on PC. I was playing it on Steam Deck, which is kind of sort of perfect oh, for that nice. sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like it's really really nice. And so far, it's I've been enjoying it. The fights are quite simplistic. Um, it's just you know. Uh, queue up all. It's, it's if you've ever had like a party fight in Final Fantasy or something. It's just like, well, you know, there's one enemy and there's three of you, so you can each just attack him and you know, clobber yeah. him. And then gradually fights get more interesting. And you've got different types of damage, you know, bleeding types, blunt types, shooting types, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and you have the one thing that's interesting is that your action points, which feed into all of that, you know, everything you do costs action points. They're also there in the exploration segments, and it does sort of segue quite nicely into being a point and click. You know, with e- e- even okay. sort of old school point and click puzzles. So when you uh, early on, you have to get into a back alley behind a pub, and it's like there's a homeless person on the street, and they have a crowbar, and the gate has a padlock, and that you examine it, and the fella says, "Oh well, uh, I could probably break this if I had something." So you think, oh, "Okay." You talk to the to the homeless guy, and he says, "Have you got any change?" So then you go in the phone box to get some change. You give it to him. You get the crowbar. You use it on the padlock, and you've opened that. And so it's, it's kind of like an old school sort of Lucas Artsy puzzles, but you know, I guess way more logical. Um, and they then pretty seamlessly gel into the combat. Um, my only concern early on is that it's probably going to get quite quite repetitive. 
Um, <laughs> you, you you tend to if you if you've noticed that early on, then mm. there's a decent chance that's going to keep going that way, right? Like for, for sure. I just hope that it's kind of charms. It's got a really lovely uh, sort of crazy art. The art style reminds me a bit of uh, of gorillas. Uh, you know the sort of uh, the band gorillas. Oh my god! Okay, that sounds pretty cool. I yeah, like it's like it's like super um, exaggerated, really funky designs, and the characters. Yeah. <laughs> whilst whilst the voice acting is like hilariously bad, it's it's sort of its heart's on its sleeve. You know. Yeah. Um, so is, the, is the voice acting? Is it non-British people doing British accents? Do you think? The, the thing like- is about this is that the short answer is I don't know, but I would also say if they if they are British people, then I'd be concerned because it sort of sounds a little bit. <laughs> well, they're like- not. They're not. They're not like actually proper Londoners like they, I they... don't know because I, I, it's almost <laughs> like the word arse is in it but it's spelled A-S-S and they're sort of like arse oh. arse and it's like oh is that okay I, you might not be British I don't know but <laughs> either way it's, you sort of listen to it it's like wow this is sort of surreal how kind of bad this is but I'm kind of enjoying it anyway <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, well, it's, it's, so, that heart, the heart and sleeping makes a lot of sense to me. Like if it yeah. is, it's, it's a, it's a indie published by Team Seventeen, right? Like I can exactly. sort of picture the vibe of that, and For sure. that is going to be a team who obviously really cares about what they're what they're making, right? Like yeah, that's man. that you rarely come out of like a small studio like that with, With For something sure. that you don't really. Yeah. Yeah, where you hardly sleep. Sort of get behind. I always sort of see Team Seventeen as like a kind of, uh, kind of like mini Devolver Digital in a way, like a kind yeah. of, you know, the sort of stuff they get behind. It's always really interesting. It's always really they, they sort of, you, you know, you sort of think, oh yeah, that's a Team Seventeen published thing. It sort of fits, you know. Yeah, you tend, to, yeah, you tend to realise, don't you? You see, like, you see the logo, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that mm, makes sense for Team Seventeen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Right, it's about time. Uh, that we got into the news because we have a lot of news. It's ridiculous. So too much. Have too a much jingle. News. It's too much. Well, have a jingle uh, and we'll hop in. Well, yeah. If you put loads on, you're just spitting foam, spitting foam, spitting, 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 spitting. Then you brush, brush, brush. Yeah. You don't, don't, don't rinse your mouth. Brush, brush, brush. Bit of toothpaste. You don't, don't, don't rinse your mouth. I'll spit. <laughs> rinse the toothbrush. Rinse the toothbrush. I like a healthy lava. You can only spit so much. News. Uh, everything's happening. A load of showcases. <laughs> just loads of showcases. Like, it's not E3, but you wouldn't bloody know it. No, um, TGS is the new E3, apparently. Well, yeah, quite so. And also, we always get caught in the trap of when the podcast happens and then falling outside of the news thing if it drops on a Wednesday or whatever. This time, we're recording the pod on the Wednesday, and thank goodness we did... Uh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So we're going to begin with the Nintendo Direct. Breath of the Wild Two. It has a release date now of May twelfth, twenty twenty three, um, and we've got a little bit more information on it. Um, it has a name as well. It has a name. It has a name. It's the it's Legend no longer of- the sequel to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Exactly. Or maybe I don't know if it still is. I guess it still is. <laughs> it just has its own name. <laughs> That's a very good point. Logistically, logistically, it still is. <laughs> um, the Legend of Zelda. Now, I'm going to say Tears of the Kingdom. However, yes. um, there is a delicious ambiguity there, which is a little bit like that film uh, Closer or Closer. It's like you never really know what they mean. It could also be Tears of the Kingdom because it kind of looks be. like there's some sort of dimensional rifts in what we've seen. There's a new trailer. 
kind of you know similar to the stuff we've already seen except at one point link uh, lands on a, a giant sort of stone bird hovering through the skies um in addition to the vast lands of Hyrule, the latest entry in The Legend of Zelda will take you up into the skies and an expanded world that goes beyond that. Producer Eiji Aonuma said in an interview with IGN, uh, the, the game possibly a little bit darker in tone. Um, yeah. He said, uh, quote, something I did hear that a lot of people were playing uh, was Red Dead Redemption 2, which I thought was quite interesting during development. So, you know, if they're taking their notes from that, a very, very somber game indeed. Yeah, um, that is interesting. Mm, I think so. Uh, it, this is a kind of an interesting one. It, I'm getting sort of... Uh, my main thing with it, and I know this is you know possibly a little bit sort of uh, uh, grumbly, but it is, or it seems to be just reusing that map. Yeah. I now, am, the, and that's great, because it was a brilliant map, but just if you played Breath of the... And I know it's got a lot of stuff in the sky, but yeah. if you played Breath of the Wild, you might have fewer of those oh my god wow moments because you'll just be discovered unless it's all changed down below unless yeah unless it's completely different but it doesn't look like it is you're right and i I Mm. do a lot of people are very excited for this and like breath of the wild is one of my favorite games of all time i think because of that almost i'm my hype for this is reserved Mm -hmm. i'm i'm certain that when i actually get my hands on it and start playing i'm gonna be like oh this is brilliant Mm. but breath of the wild was so that first playthrough and that mm. like dis- level of discovery, right, was so important to how oh, that game man. played. Yeah. And to then, it that cannot be the driving force of this game, surely, no. because no. I, it will lose something in the process there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's then, also, then, I think there's something in that whole thing about, you know, you can only do Uncharted two once, and once yeah. you've done Uncharted two, it doesn't matter how good uncharted three or four or whatever you know it doesn't matter how good you're only going to get that watershed moment one time yeah yeah and i yeah, think yeah. you know after breath of the, you know if they're going yeah mechanically it's largely the same those mechanics were brilliant but it's largely the same so sort of almost by definition it can't you know well it feels um, like it feels like the ocarina of time to majora's mask thing right which right is very like at the time Majora's Mask wasn't as well loved as Ocarina of the Time of time because it did a lot of the same stuff. It had its own yeah. interesting bits, right? But mm. it was considered the lesser of the two because the first one was so groundbreaking. For sure. Whereas yeah. as time goes on, I think there's more of a a love for Majora's Mask because people are playing the games outside of that groundbreaking sort of oh, element of it. Yeah. And absolutely. I'm sure that will happen with these two games as well. But I think yeah, I, I, I don't think there's... Any, we've still not seen a lot of it. It still feels like they're keeping stuff. So maybe oh, there sure. is yeah. a real a couple of things that are really interesting. But at the moment, it doesn't feel like it'll be able to to surprise in the same way that Breath of the Wild did. I'm sure. sure it's going to be fantastic, but... Oh, yeah, there's... gotcha. Yeah, no, I don't mean to sort of naysay or to sort of poo-poo. I mean, I'm as excited as anyone else. I, I would say, actually, I think the Majora's Mask comparison is a really good one just because not only is it... Uh, or, or not only will its impact possibly resemble Majora's Mask, but, you know, the idea of uh, it's a direct sequel, which is yeah. very, very rarely done in Zelda. Uh, very, Re- very Reusing assets, uh, Re- reusing darker assets. tone, right? Like, it's, yeah, all, yeah. it's all sort of there to be to be the Majora's Mask of Ex- the Wild. Exactly, exactly. So <clears throat> we don't know, but, you know, very excited, possibly with some caveats. Um, Pikmin 4 has made me very, very <laughs> happy indeed. Um I really, really like Pikmin a lot, and so does Shigeru Miyamoto, fortunately. Yeah, it's um, his favourite. It's his favourite, yeah, and, and I, 
uh, you can tell that I love it that it's just his sort of obsession. Yeah, and it wouldn't just, get made if it wasn't <laughs> it for him. If it wasn't him driving it, they would just go, no, we're not making any pictures anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that, that is absolutely true. <laughs> uh, he, rev- he said, quote, uh, we won't be showing any gameplay today, um, but the, the sort of the thing, the, the sort of intriguing thing about this one, uh, he says, you'll be able to play like this from the Pikmin's perspective uh, near the ground. Nintendo Switch has made controlling the game simpler, meaning you can further concentrate on the core essence of Pikmin gameplay. We call it Dandor in Japanese or strategically planning deploying and commanding the Pikmin so it sort of sounds sounds like it might offer a little fresh perspective literally if you're looking at the world through, I mean yeah the Pikmin's eyes the camera view is really interesting I really don't understand how the switch is making it easier to control than I think the easiest the Pikmin's ever been to control was with the Wii remote on the you know they, they re-released <laughs> Pikmin 1 and 2 for the Wii right yeah, and then yeah, they did, yeah. with pointer controls that was I can't I can't imagine how it'd be easier than that, but I'm I'm really curious because I think I think control scheme has always been the one sort of barrier for me for Pikmin. I've I, I've I've loved what I've played, but I always hit a point where I, I'm like I feel like I'm not in total total control here. Um, yes, like I was playing yeah. Pikmin three on Switch, and it's just sort of like yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see what this new one does and what it does differently, I guess, because Pikmin three sort of had the thing of having the three the three captains right, and you you yeah. could move back and forward between the three of them and Absolutely. give them I love, instructions. Yeah, that that game is is so so good. Um, yeah, it's I, a very very good game. But I know what you mean. Yeah, it's sort of like you're direct you're directing them rather than being in sort of direct control. Perhaps with the Joy-Con or something, they might introduce sort of pointing yeah. or, or yeah, who knows. Um, <clears throat> uh, next up. Uh, which it's it's a Switch announcement. It's also an Xbox announcement. It's GoldenEye, GoldenEye HD. It's <laughs> yes. official. It's officially been acknowledged, and it is happening. Um, so. Uh, this is from uh, developer Rare. Quote, the original experience has been updated with improved controls, including dual analog stick support, native 69 resolution, up to 4K Ultra HD where supported, a consistent refresh rate and a full complement of achievements. And it's on Game Pass and that makes me very happy indeed. However, uh, there is it's also coming to the Nintendo Switch. And this, yep. is, where, this is where things get deliciously interesting. It uh, is interesting. So, I can't quite tell uh, at the moment whether what is coming to the Nintendo Switch is uh, actually an upgraded version of the game. Um, it's coming to Nintendo Switch Online as part of the expansion pack. Um, yep. And so I would guess, therefore, that it will be like the other Nintendo 64 games that are on the service, which is to say they do look sharper just by virtue of the screen that they're on. Yeah. Um, you will have different viewing options and stuff. Um, the really interesting thing <clears throat> is that exclusive to the Switch version will be online play. Yes. Um, just kind of baffling that's not on the Xbox One. Um, can I can I run through this? Because I, mm. I've, I've had thoughts about mm, this go for it go for it so it seems to me from all the information that i've read and i, I sort of double checked things xbox is getting a sort of slightly upgraded version with widescreen mm. with dual analog mm. with the higher frame rate higher resolution mm-hmm. that's what they're getting no online play yeah switch is getting from what i can tell just the rom just like right. every other N64 game, every mm-hmm. other NES and SNES game on those systems, <clears throat> yeah. it will just be GoldenEye running on an N64 emulator. Yeah. So 
it will have the same rubbish frame rate that it did if it's anything like the other N64 games like mm-hmm. it will basically be exactly the same the online won't be built into the game it will it's just using the N64 apps built in online so mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know the NES games the SNES games and the N64 games anything that has local multiplayer can be played online yeah but what that means is if you're playing GoldenEye online on the N64 it will still be split screen <laughs> right because it's not it's not there's nothing added to it to make it online it's just local co-op oh i don't know about because the only thing i would say with that is i've played uh super mario kart with um with people online and that's yeah. not still split screen oh, i mean that's a is step. it not i swear it is no no i've i've played just on on my switch Lite with someone else on 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 their switch and it's not still it's just full screen for me Oh, fair play. So, I mean, perhaps it's different for SNES, and I've not played any N64 games online, so I can't vouch for that, but um, just Super Mario Kart anyway is, yeah. Oh, so I I was 100% certain. (laughs) Well, you're making me less certain now. (laughs) Yeah, wait, 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 because I've I've given it the big one here, Josh, so (laughs) I'm going to double-check this Mm. quickly, Mm. but... You, you, but it, it, Gold, GoldenEye coming at all is interesting, right? Oh, because yeah, clearly yeah. clearly <clears throat> Microsoft and Nintendo and is it Eon? Is that the. Yeah, well, people? it's that, yeah, it's Dan Jack that would be the company, the sort of license holder, but yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. Like, that is, that's a huge, huge deal in terms of uh, licensing that out. And obviously, there was a failed attempted it in the past right with um... well this looks a little bit like that attempt with like the 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 one that leaked on the internet last year and was a mostly playable state so it basically looks like the same uh sort of treatment for goldeneye that perfect dark got when they released perfect dark hd on 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 xbox live arcade so it looks to be very very similar to that um but yeah. I do, I do wonder. Uh, the, the, you know, the sort of the strange thing is, is that it does. Because you're right. You know, culturally, it is like a really big deal. But not having online play is kind of a huge thing for me. I, anyway. I, that feels like that feels like a Nintendo thing. That feels like Nintendo didn't want Xbox to have a better online experience than their one on the N64. So I just had a look at a, a video of uh, Super Mario Kart being played online, and it is still split screen. I must have imagined it then. Yeah, I'm, well, you got to remember, you gotta remember Super Mario Kart is always on the top screen anyway. The entire bottom of that screen is normally a map, right? Yeah. With Super Mario Kart, so you probably just and then when it's split screen, Blanked that bottom out, bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a quote from um, <clears throat> from Xbox. Uh, while there are no plans to include online multiplayer um, as part of GoldenEye on Xbox, Xbox is focused on bringing this title uh, to players in the way they fondly remember, including local multiplayer mode, allowing up to four players to take to the couch. Um, so I don't know if it's Nintendo stopping them or them being sort of un- uninterested in doing it or perhaps uninterested in doing it right now and maybe yeah, it will come maybe. to the game. I it, don't is, know. It, it is a very strange one, but it is, yeah. What, it's brilliant what I to is... have, by the way. I'm not moaning that we've got... I mean, you know, GoldenEye is oh. a terrific game. It's just... It's in the current era. It would it would lo- it would give that game the best chance because one of the questions was always, well, people of a certain uh, sort of pedigree with video games. This is an absolutely huge deal to all the sort of normal people, re- people or, or younger people who don't have that experience with. Oh God, yeah. I, um, you know, having online play would be a huge help 
to sort of modernizing and maybe even increasing its kind yeah. of, you know, its, its And why you say, like, it's, it's obviously a great, it's a great thing. Like, we, you, you can't complain too much, right? But it is frustrating that there's no now one definitive version coming out. For there's sure. the, yeah, because I'm going to have to get both. Yeah. yeah, there's the Xbox version, which has, like, everything else is the one that I want to play, really. If I'm playing that campaign, yeah, I want yeah. the dual analog stick controls, I want the widescreen, I want the up I want mm. the stable frame rate. Yeah. If you want to go online it seems like you're basically leaving that all behind for the original N64 version with yeah. the original sort of single stick uh, controls. Although and- I imagine there may well be a way to, to sort of, because they, they do provide quite a few control options with the, uh, with the N64 I would be surprised. Games. I will say I, w- I will be surprised if they offer any dual stick controls on the N64 NSO. And I just well, the, think... The only thing I'm thinking is, if you put... Because obviously the N64 only had one analog stick and you yeah. want to map that to the right stick, all they would really need to do is just allow you to map movement onto the left stick. Oh, mate, I'm absolutely certain you're right. I just don't think they're going to do it. Like, I'm, I, know, I, I know I sound... I don't know if I sound like I'm being... Um, I can't think of the word now. But I, I, I just... <laughs> I just, I think Nintendo have been so funny with the NSO stuff. I don't think they'll let you map something that was on one stick, which was movement and sort of camera, and split that out. Well, you I only—I think, think you only aimed with the with the stick, right? And you moved with the D-pad or the yeah. four buttons. So, so, so even if it you might... just moved on the D-pad, I, I don't think they would. I mean, I see what you're saying. Like they are, you know, famously very, very strange. But yeah. it, movement's going to have to be on the D-pad anyway. So I would imagine they just they just let you put that on the stick. But I, I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, it's not like Nintendo to not not be weird. Um, yeah, that's that's that. I think that's my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> onto the state of play. Um, this was uh, PlayStation's little uh, stream last night, I think, uh, in which a bundle of things happened. The first of which is Team Ninja uh, revealing a PS5 game called Rise of the Ronin. Uh, yeah, which is, which is intriguing. A combat-focused open-world action RPG set in the Edo period, which is entirely my sort of thing. Did, yeah. uh, you, what, what did you think to this? It looks really cool. I really like the fact that it's right at the end of the the Edo period because it's like um, there's like firearms coming into it, like yes. pistols and stuff like that, which is really yeah. cool. Like right at the end of the 19th century. Very. Cool. Um, I assume it's going to be a bit neo-y when they. When people say action RPG these days, they tend to mean Souls-like, and Team Ninja <laughs> has a has a habit of making Souls-likes. So I, sorts I think, of things. Yeah. I think they'll be. Yeah, I think it, it seems like it'll be Soulsy combat, cool-looking open world. Yeah. Looks a little bit Ghost of Tsushima-y as well. Like a little it, bit, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, maybe um, not not so much the sort of supernatural stuff by the sounds no, of what what no, they're no, saying. No. But 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 even so, very good. great studio for that sort of thing. Yeah, I, you know, I really love that setting, and I like Neo a lot. Um, yeah, so they, I was sort they, of like, yes, please, you know, p- plug it into my veins. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, next up, uh, a new. This is kind of an interesting one. Uh, this is weirdly got me quite excited uh, Pacific Drive did you see this? Yeah that was really sort of intriguing looking one I thought it was <laughs> a Ghostbusters thing at first with like <laughs> the shape of that car <laughs> and like yeah, and all yeah. the green sort of goo on the windscreen and all whatever, the slimy but... stuff yeah. yeah so it's developed by Ironwood Studios and it's set in 1955 the US government has seized a region of the Pacific Northwest um, 
And it's sort of so the quotes. It, the quote is: "We love weird science stories from road trip <laughs> adventures, and we've always been intrigued by the dark and mysterious worlds from games like Stalker or books like Annihilation. In Pacific Drive, we've been able to bring these passions together by creating an adventure that will take you deep into the heart of the Pacific Northwest, riding in an ancient station wagon that, over time." can become your own substantially modded 80s sci-fi machine to upgrade, explore, and risk the dangers of the zone with. So it almost sounds like a little bit of Jalopy and a little bit of Stalker and a little bit yeah. of like Ghostbusters, like 80s vibe, right? Which sounds entirely like my sort of thing. It's just super, super interesting. I, li- I like that they don't do it a lot, but when PlayStation do put these sort of games, you know, front and centre in their showcases, mm. they're always really interesting. Like Stray was another one of them, right? Oh, and that turned yes. out yeah, so definitely. well. Um, and yeah, I think it's really interesting. It, I can't remember. I'm trying to think of the trailer. Do you do these? Do they ever get out of the car in the trailer? Because I yes. think that's really yeah. intriguing. Like, yeah, they get out and they can sort. They were yeah. sort of walking around and opening the door, and you could pop up the hood and have a little look. Yes, thing. yeah, and I, I, I sort of, I like the idea of those road trip games where the car is so such an important part of it. Like, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah for the, sure. The the Mad Max game sort of uh, dealt with that a little bit, didn't it? But that was oh, such a true. sort of open world, mm. third person, a little bit more separated. I like the idea that this first person game where you you're you spend so much time in the car and it becomes such an important part of the game. And I, I'm curious to know if it is if it's like a linear sort of like mm. you know chapter driven game or if it's something a bit more open. But I think regardless, it's going to be. In- intriguing right it's gonna like, be intriguing. it looks really different and that's yeah. what i'm like super up for like it's, it's just lovely to get these sorts of reveals because i always think oh man and it's the sort of thing you forget about and then like a cup you know all of a sudden it's out in a couple of months you think oh yeah that thing i saw yeah. at the state of play or the xbox showcase or whatever so very very good do you remember project eve uh, I do remember Project Eve, but it has a new name now. It Gosh, has a new that. name, and that's and that's pretty much the entire news story, to be honest. Because the other <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, there's also a new trailer. So you know, if you like looking, yeah. go have a look. It's now called Stellar Blade. Yeah, so, I quite like that. Know, it's a blade. It's a very, it's... It's a very pretty looking game. I'll give. Oh that. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm, 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 I'm up for it. I'm up for it. I, I, I thought it was going to be like linked to Parasite Eve, but apparently not so much. But you know. oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? Bring that back. Mm, I know, right? Uh, now, a little sort of bundle of of Yakuza news. Yeah, uh, which like quite unexpected, quite delicious. First up. Uh, Yakuza Ishin, or Like a Dragon Ishin, is a uh, rebuilt from the ground up, <clears throat> uh, re-release, remake, I guess we should call it, pretty much like the Kiwami games, I suppose, yeah. um, of a game that's previously been available only in Japan. Uh, it was released for the PS3 and the PS4 in 2014, and it's set in the mid-1800s, with players taking on the role of real-life samurai Sakamoto Ryoma. Uh, so it's it's getting it's getting let's just call it the Kiwami treatment I guess yeah absolutely yeah uh, and it's out in the West in 2023 so yeah yes please um, super interesting I know uh, the other one there's so there's two more the big one is Like a Dragon Eight which is you know the the next game the next mainline game in the series um, yeah yeah which you know th- th- that series was, 
a series that seems to be getting a name change in the West by the looks yeah. of things, yeah. right? No, like, more, no more Yakuza, just like a dragon now. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, which is big time. Exec producer Masayoshi Yokoyama uh, was was t- t- leading a Rio Gago Toku Studio Summit, a kind of live stream. Uh, and in that, they released a trailer for Like a Dragon 8. And we got a look at Ichiban, who was the hero of Like a Dragon, or y- Yakuza Like a Dragon slash Yakuza 7. Uh, yep. But also... Uh, <laughs> Kazuma Kiryu, who's the the sort of long-time hero of the series, and it looks like they're both going to be in the game, whether or not yeah. they'll both be playable, sort of dual protagonists. It I seems think. that's what they're hinting, right? It's yeah. not confirmed, but you don't yeah. put those two right next to each other like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and, and Yakuza, uh, Kazuma Kiryu has a new haircut, which is like a sort of uh, mop basically yeah yeah it makes him look a bit younger which is quite strange but it does even though it's like a little bit gray sort of makes him look younger um it's it's coming in 2024 for uh the playstations the xboxes and the pcs um it's going to be an rpg that you know that's that's the big thing i know a lot of people were kind of wondering oh well you know is are they going to be sort of turn-based rpgs like seven from now on and it looks to be that they are yeah uh however there's also a third game there is in the uh, in the Yakuza Devilry, uh, like a dragon, Gaiden or Gaiden uh, will release in 2023. It's a spin-off. It's going to take place between Yakuza Six and Yakuza Seven, and it's going to tell people the story of what happened to Kazuma Kiryu. Uh, it's coming out on all platforms in 2023, uh, and Masayoshi Yokoyama said, "quote This is going to be an action adventure game. It will be about half the size of a regular Yakuza game." And I know some of our listeners uh, were were writing in <clears throat> uh, when 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 Like a Dragon came out, and we've had a couple of listeners come in and say, "You know, going to start the series. What's a good starting point for the series?" And one of the things that uh, Rich was saying was what they'll probably end up doing is this. Uh, they'll have the Like a Dragon stuff, they'll have the turn-based RPG yeah. stuff, and then they might drop in a, a little bit like how Capcom, you know, they got the sort of first-person resis, but then also yeah. to one yeah, side, yeah. they're like, well, we'll give you the remakes as well, so for the for the old-school sort of people. It feels a little bit like that. And also, I don't know about you, but I bloody love it when people tell me that they're making like little sort of like shorter versions oh, mate, of yeah. other stuff. Ideal. Every single time, I'm like, that's half the length that the other Brilliant. ones are? Perfect. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I can finish like, that in a legacy. weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, right, we've got to keep on moving on because there's just endless stuff going on. This endless one news. almost almost feels a little bit old now, uh, but we, but it's it's... Assassin's Creed Mirage, which was uh, oh bloody hell, was, that, that was yeah, only a few days ago, wasn't it? <laughs> I know, and and because you know that's the way the cookie, that's the way the podcast crumbles. Um, so yeah, you're playing. It's it was leaked to high heaven. Uh, yes. So this is you're playing as Basim. It's set in Baghdad in the year 861, um, which uh, so it's about it, so it's 11 years before uh, Basim appeared in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yep. Um, in an interview with Eurogamer, the narrative director Sarah Bolu uh, said, quote, the most accurate comparison uh, would be uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue or Revelations in terms of scope. We wanted to go back to what Assassin's Creed was in terms of story structure and in the very early games, which means it's linear. You have a beginning, you have an end, and yeah. it's a character's revel- uh, evolution. It's not Valhalla, where we lost a bit of the feeling of big, big cities. It's optimised for parkour. 
Um, it's got that kind of density you need jumping from rooftop to rooftop. Um, and they're looking at getting the sort of crowds that they had in Unity, those really packed ooh, streets. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah, so I sort of heard this and was just like, well, that's everything I want. Yeah, to be honest. I'm I'm chuffed with that. I've barely touched the modern sort of RPG Assassin's mm. Creed because they terrify me. I know. The, the sheer sort of length and scope of them scares oh, me off massively. It's mad. It's mad. So the idea of... I, I can absolutely go for an old style new Linear, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Closed like, in... One, and I love it when they're in one big city. I recently was replaying Unity and I really love them when they just concentrate on a city. Yeah, it just yeah, sort of feels absolutely. like that's where the series is at home. You know, I know yeah. the country countryside stuff can be cool as well, but I do just love that sort of urban that metropolis. But we've also got again, this was this was another sort of like super duper bundle of stuff. <clears throat> so Mirage, which is coming in twenty twenty three. Yep. We also have code name Assassin's Creed Code Name Red, which Ooh. is set in feudal Japan. Um, That's what people have been waiting for, isn't it? I know, and it's one of those things where, I know, call me a little bit bloody cynical, uh, but I sort of saw that, and there's a very quick teaser trailer, where a fella jumps onto a rooftop and has a katana, but then also has a hidden blade, and then it just says Assassin's Creed, codename right. All good stuff. Is it just me, or is this ever so slightly underwhelming for two reasons? Number yep. one... Everyone's been clamouring for it more or less <laughs> since the first game in the series. Yep. <laughs> Number two, Ghost of Tsushima exists. Yeah. And yeah. I know that they are different, but Ghost of Tsushima, to me, basically said, we're going to make a sequel to Assassin's Creed 2. That's what we're doing with our open world design. It still works. It's still good. And evidently, people really, really love it. So it's going to have to do some other stuff to get me it's a little bit like how i was slightly less excited for valhalla because it was like god of war had already happened and it really sort yeah. of felt like oh it's another norse one and i know that's not fair i think oh i i feel bad you know it's, it's like it's maybe it's a little irrational response it's like look you can do whatever bloody game you like i'm sure it'd be brilliant but there is just that slight thing of oh someone else has eaten a little bit of your lunch and it's not really your fault but they have you know do you think um, that will do you think that would have changed if you'd gotten like an actual proper trailer? Like if this hadn't been announced today in like a year's time, you got oh, like maybe. a nice like full gameplay trailer. Like because a sort I, of nice I, I think, five, six minute job. Yeah, I think for me, part of it is that they've just gone, it's happening. And I'm like, mm. well, okay, I think we all assumed it was happening eventually anyway. And it's like two years. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? Like I barely need an announcement for them to be like, yeah, I was like, you know well, what? You might, you might yeah, be right, actually. You're going <laughs> Maybe if you're gonna did, make, you're yeah. gonna keep making Assassin's Creed for the next ten years anyway. If you don't hit Japan in one of those, I'll be absolutely shocked. <laughs> so I think. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whereas, like the 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 um, I know it's a, a mobile one, but like the China one, mm. I'm not gonna play it because I don't really play mobile games like that. But I I was more excited by what I saw of the China one mm. purely because. I saw gameplay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. cool. That's that's yeah. Assassin's Creed. That's in China. I, I get a feel for that now. Whereas I mm. think. Yeah, this yeah. one, I'm like, okay, cool. It's what we all expect to happen eventually. Now I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps if I see it and they do a real kind of city focus and also, yeah, you know, if, this, if you know, and it's very, very different to, you know, to to Ghost of Tsushima and it's. All, I suppose it's going to be fundamentally more sort of ninja style than it is samurai anyway. But um, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, there's a lot to be said. I do love teaser trailers when they're like that, when they're actual teaser trailers, and they don't give me too much because the third one, yeah, uh, and yeah. I have to say, maybe the one I'm well, probably actually I'm most excited about Mirage, but 
the one that excites me more than than Codename Red is Assassin's Creed Codename Hex, uh, which I, we don't know yet, but I would say looks like it's the sort of Holy Roman Empire, like the, basically the the witch trust. So sort of fifty. That seems to be the rumor, yeah. Right, and it's set in Europe, I think. So you know, that's and it's it's name is German for the word witch. Hex with yeah. an E on the end is German for the word witch. Uh, the exec producer, Mark Alexis Cote, said, uh, described it as, quote, a very different type of Assassin's Creed game. There's speculation it could actually be a VR game, but we don't know Ooh, anything okay. like that. So, uh, And then the la- last but not least uh, was Assassin's Creed Infinity, which is not a game... But is in fact, I get. I'm going to use the word launcher. I um, I was just about to say launcher. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like it's a meta piece, like like waypoint for Halo, or like how Hitman is kind of a launcher, and you just plug all the missions in there. It seems like it's uh, sort of software, for want of a better word, that all of the upcoming Assassin's Creed games sort of plug into. Um, and yeah. in fact, it sounds like. Uh, Infinity is where all of the present-day narratives are going to unfold. So they've finally sort of taken the animus out of the games themselves yeah. and put it into a frame narrative that is kind of separate. Well, so, yeah, yeah. Infinity feels like it is the animus, right? Like it yeah. is. You're you're yeah. going to be jumping into it to jump to different periods of time or whatever. For like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, actually, they already sort of prefigured this in Assassin's Creed Unity because you have the Abstergo software in which you select um, the game of Assassin's Creed Unity with Arno and everything. But when yes. you're on the screen that selects it, uh, there, are, there, there are lots and lots of other options. And it's like, please pick which Abstergo adventure you want. And one of them was called like Intrigue in the Levant. And it was definitely just Assassin's Creed 1. And the other one was, was like <laughs> Mysteries in Renaissance Italy. So it's like, oh, you've sort of taken that and now it's an actual thing. And that's yeah. what people are going to interact. That's how they're going to interact with it. So, you know, maybe good news. I mean, it's it's fine, isn't it? I think I think it's better. It's almost better news than what it seemed to be before they announced this, right? Because now it just seems yes. like we're getting we're just getting two Assassin's Creed games coming. Like, well, three. <laughs> we're getting Mirage, we're getting uh, Red, and we're getting Hex, and we're getting and Hex. they will and we just don't know exactly will... when, but they no. are happening. Yeah, yeah and no, they are just going to be Assassin's Creed games. It seems like they'll release as normal in a box whatever <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah infinity is just something else that you can probably ignore right that's, yeah. that's what that's what i'm thinking is it unless like you need it. it unless you buy those games and they automatically download infinity and you have to launch I mean, the game maybe but, but if, maybe but even but then way, yeah <laughs> it seems like you could ignore it either way right yeah <laughs> so. as long as i can jump into the game and be like this is the game now i'm 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 fairly content for sure for sure uh and uh, last couple Cyberpunk DLC, which now feels like it happened years ago, but it was—I yeah. uh, think—I think the day I think it was like last Wednesday. Uh, it's called Phantom Liberty. Uh, it's an expansion coming in 2023. It uh, is being called a spy thriller, and it will be set in an all-new district of Night City. It's next-gen only, at no specific release date. Uh, the whole game should have been next-gen only, uh, and, it, <laughs> and it also features Keanu Reeves as well. Uh, so it looks kind of cool again you know don't know much about it kind of like a cinematic trailer with Reeves talking in it yeah uh, looks to be about a, like a kind of insurrection style army Phantom of Liberty you have to take a pledge it was a, a vague cinematic thing but you know fine I you know I've, I've said on this podcast multiple times like it, it, it'll be good when the, the conversation around cyberpunk 
is about something other than its launch, though yeah. I, I, understandably it has to be about that. I'm um, hoping I'm hoping this is like almost a way they can sort of move on from that now. If they launch me this too. And, it, and it's really good, I like I I I know it's it's not a big deal but i actually respect them quite a lot for just dropping ps4 and xbox one for this well like, it feels like an admission right it does if it, it, yeah, sort it of feels, feels like, like basically, we probably shouldn't have put it we, it's taken us a long time to get them yeah work we barely this. we barely sort of got them up to a good a good enough standard on those consoles now mm. let's not bother we're not gonna launch this if we if they launched this on ps4 and xbox one it wouldn't run well again yeah and yeah. that'd be the whole conversation and they've just moved on and that's fine i yeah. I, I like that yeah, 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 me too, me too. And also, you know, more Cyberpunk is good. If it's more of that map, it was a beautiful uh, setting. I love that Night City setting. It was very, very cool. So if they want to, you know, give us a brand new district, have us do an extra stuff, I'm all for it. Um, and last but not least it, it is a little uh, strange one. I think this, I believe this one was, it came out at Dis- Disney 23 or that, that big Ooh, okay, yes. sort yeah, of yeah. Disney kind of expo, let's call it. Um but it's it's a bit of it's an Amy Hennig update, who's a director I'm quite fond of. It's Skydance New Media is the name yep. of the is the name of the studio. It's a Marvel game. Uh, we know it's Captain America. We know it's Black Panther as well. It's got a World War Two setting, which is inherently quite interesting. Um, it's quote narrative driven ensemble adventure, uh, featuring four characters: Captain America, uh, Azuri. Uh, which is an an iteration of Black Panther, Gabriel Jones, a US soldier and member of the Howling Commandos, and Nanali, a leader of the fledgling Wakandan spy network. Uh, Players can look forward to, quote, intuitive controls, exhilarating second-to-second gameplay that captures the action and excitement of Marvel, inspired by landmark comics, TV, and film as they navigate uh, this all-new globe-trotting adventure. What do you make of that? Oh, and... and Skydance New Media, by the way, also just doing that Star Wars thing that they said yeah. they were doing last year. So that's a busy studio. But yeah, go on. What would what, you make of this one? It's very, it's very interesting. Mm. I, I wish they'd given us more information. It, I, I'm, I'm so, I so <laughs> want to be excited for it, but I cannot tell. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming with Amy Hennig at the, mm. at the head of this, mm-hmm. it will be a cool single player adventure right if, like if you have a sliding scale and on one end of that scale you have marvel's avengers the video game and yep. on the other end of that scale you have guardians of the galaxy the video game oh, i would a good imagine scale. this a good would scale. slide further towards guardians of the galaxy given that it's henning yeah. and she has always had a sort of uh, proclivity for stories 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 obviously with her work on uncharted legacy of kane uh, I would imagine it would go more that way. It's got um, to, right? It has I to. I think like, so. I think so. I mean, they say you know they say four player, but it's kind of got to have that. You know, it's you know the campaign's right there, and we're focusing on on the single player quite a lot, and that's an intriguing setting, right? Yeah, it's a, oh, super super intriguing setting. I think, yeah. So you so rarely get to see that Captain America World War Two stuff beyond his origin story right exactly, like it's yeah it's sure. always told through the lens of well this is how captain america came to be so to have to just sort of poke a, a, a story in there to bring <laughs> uh black panther which is is t'challa's grandfather i think a grandfather i think yeah. yeah to bring him in there and to tackle what wakanda is in mm. the 40s as well i think it's a yeah fast fascinating idea for a for a setting and it's it's cool to see outside like when you 
talk about Marvel's Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Those mm. are two properties that those games pulled very strongly from the setting of the films. Like, yeah, it's, oh, absolutely, yeah. it doesn't stray too far. Whereas it definitely seems like Skydance went. We want we want to do something interesting here. They had mm. an idea and just got the approval from Marvel to do it. This doesn't feel anything. It doesn't feel like Marvel's poking them, being like, <laughs> no, yeah, you've yeah, got know, to do yeah. Captain America and Black Panther in World War Two. Like that doesn't. No, for it, sure. It, it's, it's almost like it's it's a bit of a blank check. We're, we're doing yeah. these characters, but some of them are different versions of the characters yeah. you know, and actually we can kind of go where we want. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. This is one of those ones where they didn't tell you very much, but what they did tell you, much like sort of Assassin's Creed Hex or something, I just sort of registered my interest and went, yeah, thank you very much. I'll play that yeah. when it comes out. And then just sort of drifted on. Yeah, yeah, so, I'm excited yeah. for the I'm excited for like the next trailer for that, and when it comes around, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the game they announced ages ago. Like it will leave my mind <laughs> quite quickly until yeah. I can put it to like trailer gameplay and have that all in my head, all stirring around. At yeah. the moment, I'm just sort of like, okay, I've got a vague idea of what this game is. I'll push it to the back until we get a really good like glimpse of it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, right, we got to get quizzical. Uh, which means getting Richmond Walker up in here to continue the ongoing weekly battle. Uh, so bear with, and we'll see if we can summon him. I'm a big fan of that. It's that time of the week, that time of the pod. It's quiz time. Uh, we have summoned Rich Walker to the fray. To yeah, this is bullshit. Well, bullshit. <laughs> He's um, upset about not podding today. So, yeah, it's bollocks. Know, I had loads of shit to talk about and they get Matt instead. What sort of yeah. substitute Unreal. is that? I really Unreal. slagged off all the Yakuza stuff as well. No, I'm really not yeah. happy with any of it. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah. Launched it. Matt launched you. into a, a tirade of hatred against you as well on air, which was. Um, well, that's uh, right. I hate, I hate you both as yeah. you know. Anyway, so. <laughs> right, here <laughs> we go. Out. Here we go. Uh, yeah, it's busy. It's boss fight time. You have to guess the business, the organisation, the setup, the structure, the foundation, the institution, the group, the hierarchy, or the team from a video game uh, of my choosing. Uh, mm. I'm going to personify it. I'm going to give you the clues. You say stop. You guess, and then you go home with the glory. Clue number one. My first appearance. In a video game, was in 1997, and I've appeared in eight video games in total. It's a lot of video games. Mm. <laughs> Clue number two: I have members all over America, and possibly beyond America as well. Uh, and you can join those members in your allegiance if you wish. What? I don't know. All right. I don't know. I've never clue what this is. No clue idea. Clue number three. I was established in order to preserve technology in a Stop. world that has been Matt Lorigan. Is it the Brotherhood of Steel from Fallout Three? And this week's winner. I hate this. I don't. This is the worst <laughs> week ever. This is <laughs> shit. Fuck this episode. How did you get that? <laughs> from the clues, mate. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty big time to get. That must be one of the quicker quicker ones we've had. Either that, or you discussed it off mic beforehand and said, "Here, Matt." Well, I, I, did, I, I wanted Rich to have as Let's little airtime as possible. Right up. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yes. Uh, first appearance in a video game is in 1997. Uh, Fallout, post-nuclear role-playing game. And is that what it was in... called? Sorry. Yeah. Although, <laughs> uh, kind of, kind of. It's um. In that same like Metal Gear. Uh, well, this was a subject of some debate I had uh, with a friend of mine. I don't know. See, I that phenomenon I like to call the Yivwov. Um, there are certain rules around that. It would be a perfect Yivwov because a Yivwov has to describe what the game is, but like not be an official subtitle, but be like known to people and possibly visible on the box. So, like you know, Metal Gear has tactical espionage action, or yes. Gran Turismo uh, has a re- uh, the real driving simulator. They they can't really big the game up. They just have to sort of describe what its genre is, sort of thing. You know, another example would be Max Payne Two. Uh, the subtitle is The Fall of Max Payne, but the Yivwov is a film noir love story. So it has sort of has to. So a post nuclear role playing game kind of fits that description, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, load of load of Fallout games. Uh, but yeah, well, well done, Matt from upstairs. What what was it that that tipped it over? I knew Fallout started in '97. I have I've, I've watched like a video about Fallout recently. You know, one of those ones that goes through like the history of it. So it's mm-hmm. just in my in my head from the past week. Oh, and right. then that's. But but I will say the Brotherhood of Steel is the only faction that I know in Fallout. So if it hadn't been that, I would never have gotten it. Christ, <laughs> like, eight enough. games though. I'm just trying eight. to go through them in my head. There's one, two, three, four. Mm. New Vegas, yeah. New Vegas, seventy six, seventy six, seven, uh, six. Shelter, there's got to be seven. Ex- there's got to be expansions for those first two games. Well, right? I didn't, that, I didn't do count. the, I didn't do the expansions because I thought that. I, 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 I Shel- just Shelter, Shelter, the mobile game. Yeah, I said Shelter. What's eight then? Uh, well, Fallout Tactics. Oh right, okay, all right. Uh, so yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, thank you very much uh, to Rich <laughs> I said Rich upstairs. I'm not upstairs. No, it's bothered. I'm yeah, no, he's, he's, down, yeah, down he's upstairs now. I've, <clears> no. I've taken over. I've taken over the podcast no. on a full-time basis. Um, <laughs> no one wants that. No one wants that. Matt. Right. Don't, on that note, don't say that, Rich. No one will write in and agree with you, and that will ruin my self-esteem. So just just pretend that people would be okay with that. For oh, so hold on. Am I am I sodding off now? Then is that me done? It's about time that we hear from the listeners. Oh, 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 God. Hot dog. Oh man, dog, D dog, 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 and dog, and dog, 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 Questions, theories, comments, and queries, you send them in and we will talk about it if they are any good and we won't talk <laughs> about it if they're not good. So that's Perfect. that's just about the long and short of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we've got some uh, we've got some correspondence this week f- uh, from Joshua Pym. Uh, it says, hey fellas, long time fan of the pod. Uh, been listening on and off since about 2014. And I've tuned into basically every episode for the last year or so. Um, oh, wow. A few episodes ago, you asked if uh, anyone was listening, or you asked anyone listening, uh, who got their actual breaking game news from the Video Gamer Pod. He says, well, I'd certainly fit that description. I'm usually too busy to look for other sources, uh, and I always feel like you're comprehensive and entertaining, if sometimes a bit late, 
cursed with the phenomenon <laughs> of having news break as you record. So you know, it's a good job that we pushed it, we pushed it back yeah, this week. Yeah, not this week. We're, <clears> we're, <throat> we're proper breaking this week. We're right on it. Uh, and he says, basically, anything else I hear about is from friends. Comment and question. Uh, most of my friends play a lot of League of Legends. Uh, I had thousands of hours in Hearthstone before calling it quits in 2020 and taking up the equally addictive game of chess. Uh, because Ooh. these games all demand a lot of time and even studying in the case of chess, I don't play much of anything else anymore. I might sit down for an hour a week to play Into the Breach. And then he says, somewhat random, I know, but it's a fun game. Oh, great Question. Game. Did you guys ever have a game like this, which basically took up all your gaming life for a number of years, or was there always variety in your gaming life? Do you think it reflects one's personality in how they allocate their leisure time in gaming? I mean... Interesting. I, for me, it was FIFA. <clears throat> for a, like a period of time when I was at university, mm. I fell off playing like proper single-player stuff, which I'd always, always played. And I... God, I got so deep into FIFA career mode... It oh, was wow. just like hours and hours a day, a day. <laughs> sort of like, you know, like 11, 12, 13 seasons in, every yeah. player is some randomly generated youth player, all the big players have retired, um, oh, wow. got, got into Ultimate Team briefly, which was dangerous <laughs> and is slightly that expensive. Is that where it's all trading cards? Yeah, that's where, you, that's where you can spend real money to, to play against people online. It was, um, yeah, that was... There, yeah, there was a point where that was the thing, and it tends to be like if I ever, if I have a bit of a down, down spiral or something mm. like that, if my mental health isn't going great, I tend to revert back to Old FIFA, habits. Yeah. yeah, rather than playing something new. Like it's just this easy comfort sort of slip in, lose mm. hours of your life to what is very little progress in career mode. You can play for an hour <laughs> and you get like three games through a season. And you're like, yeah, for sure, hell. that's um, that's rough. I would say I haven't, probably not yet. Well. Okay, so Pokemon would be my big one. Um, Ooh, okay. Since like 2014 was the one where we and people in my flat got really into uh, first Pokemon X and Y yep. and then um, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire were the oh, big ones. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, And that was such a good time to get into those games because they were sort of at their peak of like 3DS-ness um, before it then kind of... Uh, well, I'm not going to uh, slag off the, the Switch ones. They're, you know, they're different. They're trying to do different things and they still have the remakes and stuff. And it, it's possibly just me and, and my kind of relationship with Pokemon. But I absolutely loved that, that time and those games oh yeah Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire in particular really oh, really good so good and then sort of into Sun and Moon as well which I didn't like so much but you know the, the pokey we used to call it pokey fever and it's sort of still there <laughs> and it's honestly it's like you know going on smog like learning not having to look anything up to know uh, weaknesses strengths dual types same type attack bonuses just getting really really into the meta knowing what OU yeah. and UU Pokemon are for that entry how to EV train EV train doing squads perfectly having like multiple squads for different moods and stuff that probably took a few years and sort of dips in and out like when Sun and Moon came out Poke Fever came back it actually recently came back a little bit with the Diamond and Pearl remakes um, yeah I didn't absolutely love those games, but like there was definitely a flash of it because you know it sort of brings back the, the you know the kind of DS stuff. But generally, I'd say I've always had a bit of variety. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've I've always been a sort of dabbler when it comes. I, to I I'd say the same. I was always like in a group of friends. Like there was a point when when I was a teenager, like most of what we were playing was Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare. Like you got <laughs> you'd be at school, you'd be talking about uh, Call of Duty Four, and then you go home, you play Call of Duty Four. But for sure, I was always. 
and I mean it's part of the reason we we work in the industry I imagine like I was always the one who was also coming in and being like oh I've also played Dragon mm. Quest uh, Journey of the Cursed King on the PS2 for sure and yeah, people would be always... like what are you talking about or people I'd be like, in oh, school you... used yeah. to laugh because <laughs> I used to uh, a friend of mine used to call me the gaming nerd uh, back in the day because <laughs> I would always be like everyone would be talking about the big thing obviously yeah. and I would also be talking about the big thing Yeah, but it would just be like I'd, it'd be like yeah I've also got a Kami though yeah, yeah. and everyone's yeah, it's exactly like what, that, right? <laughs> what the fuck is that what are you talking about <laughs> especially because I, um, I subscribe to official Nintendo magazine so I'd be coming in as well and being like uh, <laughs> I was the one who's been like have you played like Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney and stuff like that <laughs> and, yeah yeah <laughs> or Zack and Wiki, The Curse of Barbodas Treasure. Oh, that's, a, like, that's a real gem, Zack and Wiki. It is a that's real, a real gem. exactly. And official I was, Nintendo I, reader gem, I think. Yeah, <laughs> one of those ones that they, they then Official Nintendo Magazine would always bang on about because it did not sell, right? And they were like, For sure. it's the one yeah. like waggle game that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Joshua Pims also says, finally, uh, as a vegan, keep recommending snacks. Always help, helpful. Keep up the good work. Well, I will say that the Walker Sensations Narn Chips are vegan apparently good to so, know or at least Excellent those um the lime pickle ones are i haven't checked the back of the garlic and herb but and there's a chance they might have milk powder but i probably i'd say they're probably vegan and i'll confirm that next week but yeah you know. well yeah well maybe we'll get rich to answer that question next week because i do i do feel bad for, for yeah, yeah. <laughs> being on during that <laughs> that particular question being like just eat what you want mate just eat anything yeah. no, no no we'll get we'll get rich to to recommend some more vegan stuff <laughs> Yeah, right. This one uh, from... Well, actually, hang on. We've got one there. And we've got this one <clears throat> from Josh Freeman. Now, Josh Freeman uh, from sunny Michigan uh, was the one who weighed in on the Vampire the Masquerade. I, uh, I recognise his name. I recognise the name. recognise the name. Friend of the podcast, Josh Freeman, says, Hello again uh, from sunny Michigan. I am and always will be a diehard Xbox fan, but... I'm also trying to build a solid classic collection, and the Xbox can only get you so far on that front. Um, I just bought a back compat PS3, so I can Ooh. fill out my collection. That's a really good idea. That, that is really a good like idea. That. I've been eyeing that up as well. Mm, me too, especially recently. He says, I want to fill out my collection with some of the exclusives, like Metal Gear Solid, Ape Escape, two exclusive titles uh, from the PS1 to PS3 era would you consider must-play that deserve a place in any collection of classics? Interesting. All of the Ratchet & Clank... All the Ratchet & Clank PS2 games. I knew you'd say that. That's just instant for me. But also, I I think that that sort of... not It's not a trilogy, but that sort of, like, Ratchet & Clank, Jack & Dexter, Sly Mm -hmm. Cooper... Mm -hmm. Just get those games. Cover your bases with Insomniac and Naughty Dog, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and a little bit of Sucker Punch as well with Sly. Like, <laughs> I think that's a really nice. That's a really nice trilogy of things being like, this was what the PS2 was doing with mascot platformers. Oh, 100%. How, and how it they matured as the audience matured. Mm-hmm. Like, going from like things like Crash and Spyro to those games where they're a little bit more sort of teenage adulty and just yeah. all still cracking good games to play now. Uh, yeah, that's um, a good point, actually. They sort of matured along with the audience a little yeah. bit. You know. I think it's, I a, it's a really good yeah. like point to dip in in history and be like, okay, this is where they were going with the 3D platformer genre then. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I would also throw in there uh, underrated and overlooked, especially on the PS3, but uh, the Resistance games, um, yeah. uh, especially oh, Resi- yes, Resistance yes, yes, 3, yes. is just a terrific. Resistance 3 is one of the best shooter campaigns in oh, recent memory. I, I, I love the Resistance 3 campaign. Like, bring back stuff. the weapon wheel there. Was, oh, yeah. yeah. But um, 
I'd say in terms of um, PS2 as well, uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, right? Like, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you if you if you're doing that, or, or, yeah, or, or at least if you want to do the PS3 one, get the HD double pack with both of those on it. Um, yeah, but yeah. E- either way, just yeah. I mean, get those games absolutely. Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, I would also throw in. Actually, I, I really like the Killzone games, and there's a really good HD uh, trilogy on uh, like of the of the PS on the PS3 of uh, of the, particularly Killzone 2 uh, which is a really a sort of kind of overlooked game it does some really really interesting stuff in the campaign oh, God, yeah. of Killzone 2 the duck and cover effects were, were really good and like very few other video games it really capped the first person felt really cinematic the movements the sway of the camera yeah. it felt very much like you're in an action trailer all the time it was a slow control like it because it was a sort of a 30 fps game wasn't it it wasn't a 60 mm, and no. it felt sort of there's a weight to everything in Killzone, which oh, for sure yeah it was a real love it or hate it it was very marmite that was like <laughs> yeah, some people sure, despised yeah. it but it did make everything feel it gave everything a weight and it was yeah though Killzone 2 i played a lot of like the even the online one that was good but obviously that's not around anymore yeah, not not anymore but but no you're right it, it, it was it totally was and also just sticking to the ps3 one i mean obviously uh demon souls but now, oh god, yeah. I, you know, I guess if you if you, you also get the remake on PS5, which is which is terrific. But also, uh, Motorstorm, just absolutely oh, phenomenal yes. racing game. Apocalypse, Pacific Rift, Pacific the original Rift. Motorstorm, yeah, yeah. just some absolutely fantastic stuff on there. Um, what about um, PS1? Like, in terms of PS1, I mean, it's so uh, well. A number of these are actually now on the on the on the PS Plus yeah, service. Yeah, that's but a very I good would, point. You know, I'd say Siphon Filter. I definitely skate, say the first Ape Escape. Um, I mean, and and some of them are no longer so things like um, Crash Bandicoot, for instance, is is it's not exactly like a PlayStation exclusive now. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, mean, but, may- it, but it was it was formative back then. It was a real part of that console, and you know, oh, a real. I think it's a good shout. The first two Silent Hill games, because there's not been a good remaster of those. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you've got yeah, so yeah, well, absolutely. See, so Silent Hill. For the PlayStation, Silent Hill Two for the PS2, um, or if you can, um, the the HD one. If you're looking to get the HD one on PS3, it actually is good because on the PS3 version has the patch that fixes the fog. It's annoying. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's to do with the 360 wasn't big in Japan, and the studio did issue a patch. That it was a Japanese studio that is, that did the patch to fix that, but they only issued it for. I think the game was actually only out uh, in Japan. The HD Silent Hills were only out on PS3. They actually didn't come out on Xbox in Japan, whereas they did in the West. So annoyingly, the PS3 one, you 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 are you are able to patch it. Um, so you might also want to think about that. Having said that, uh, the just the original or the, in the director's cut with the with the extra chapter is you can't really lose because I think if you've got a decent TV, it's still gonna look the best on PS2. I, I, I would I would think it's it's difficult, but yeah, you can't really go wrong. Is this um, a difficult question though? Actually, because there's there's so many. Once you get back to like PS2 and PS1, sort of you you start to get so many games. Oh, like, for sure. You don't want to get stuff that you're not going to actually enjoy. It depends on like your genres and things. Because one thing we mentioned earlier, right? Parasite Eve, mm-hmm. like that—that's still the definitive way to play that first game. Really, is that 
that yeah. PS1 experience. But, yeah, 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 for sure. But it's also a game that you might not enjoy <laughs> all that yeah, much. Ab- so. No, absolutely. And, and go, you know, things like Vagrant Story. I mean, there, there's some really celebrated, like, like the RPG stuff's pretty much... If you've got a Vita, you can, you can download them on there uh, through great difficulty these days, but it's still possible. Um, yeah. It's a good little repository for that stuff. But if you're just into, you know, getting the PS1 discs and stuff like that, then it's, you know, entirely... Entirely doable. Uh, and we'll do one more. We'll do last uh, but not least. Uh, this one from Pier Fabiani. A little slight double whammy. Uh, what is Ken Levine up to over at Ghost Story Games? Is his, is his first one. Which is kind of interesting because we, we don't really know. The last we heard no. <laughs> was... That he's trying to do a game that deals with narrative like nothing else that's been seen in in games, which is, you know, a bold claim. (laughs) Oh, it's a very, very bold claim. Um, uh... We're not not exactly sure how he's going to manage it. I mean, you know, I've got, you know, Ken Levine, obviously a very very talented developer. and I and I and I'll you know I'll play whatever they do. I, I have no idea what form that's going to take. It's pretty safe to say it's not going to be, you know, the budget or the or the big bombastic action blockbuster that the Bioshocks are going to be. But, yeah. You know, he did he did sort of tackle narrative in in interesting ways back then. So he did. He did. There was a, there was a report from Bloomberg earlier this year actually that basically said that uh, his game is in development hell. It's, which is yeah, not I good. completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's sort of yeah. mired in a, in a, in an odd limbo, and they they don't they don't exactly know when it's going to happen and if it's going to happen. So yeah, I, I, I had forgotten about that. Actually. Yeah, because it, it was he, he what's that phrase that he used to describe what he was trying to do? Was it? Um, oh yeah, like Lego block, like narrative, narrative Lego? Lego. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't really understand what that's supposed to be, but the, I think the rumor was that it was sort of like. The game that they're working on was like a Bioshock style shooter mm. on like in space or something like that. Yes. And but it seems like it's changed over and over again. And it seems like um he as a as a sort of a game director sort of struggled to to communicate what he wants to yeah, the team. For sure. Yeah. I, I don't think we see whatever his next next game is, I don't think we see that for three three, four years. Three, four I, like, years. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that's miles that. off. And then um, the, the, the second part of, of Piers thing is talk about the Bioshock movie, please. Uh, which the latest on that is that it's it's happening and gaining momentum. It's I think it's got Francis Lawrence is attached to direct it. I think it's backed by Netflix. Uh, Francis it's, Lawrence, it's, I think, did Hunger Games. I think. Yeah, he's done a few bits and pieces, but it's it's, mm. it's a it's a proper Netflix one, isn't it? Which is going to yeah. mean that. It's probably going to mean it happens. <laughs> like that tends to be the case with Netflix stuff. Like when you For hear about like, stu- yeah, when you hear like <laughs> cinema studios doing it, there's always like a fifty-fifty chance it's going to shut down, right? Mm, mm. Uh, but yeah, it seems like it's actually actually going to be a thing. Um, I tell you what, though, if you want if you want a Bioshock movie, check out uh, a Cure for Wellness Ooh. because uh, that's um, Gore Verbinski who did uh, The Lone Ranger and some of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He was originally attached to direct Bioshock in, I think, 2012 or 13. Um, it fell through in the end, but they actually ended up getting 
quite a ways along in terms of production. Yeah. And about a year or two years later, he released A Cure for Wellness. And the similarities, it's about, uh, I think, uh, a mental hospital in a secluded mountainous location. The entire film has a strange green filter. And there are sort of numerous thematic similarities between that and Bioshock. A lot of people were like... It's like he was annoyed at not being able to make Bioshock, so made something that was a sort of spiritual <laughs> twin, in a way. Yeah, just kept, He um, just kept making the film, right? But he went, now I don't have to worry about the IP. <laughs> no, I, I can do whatever not, I want. Yeah. yeah, it's not set in Rapture, but it is set in a place that's only accessible. It's like on, a, on the top of a mountain, so yeah. very, very isolated. Not everyone can get to it. Um, it's not a great movie, but it is an interesting movie. So that's, do, you, you know. do you think the Bioshock movie is going to be something new, or do you think it's just going to be rapture like do you think they'll i think it's just going to be rapture i think for the first one they do it it's like we're gonna have to do the bioshock story before we then go on yeah because you've got to have a big daddy on there don't you i think so to grab to grab in that sort of more general audience that (laughs) played bioshock but doesn't you know like may not vaguely remembers bits and pieces yeah and they'll see the big they'll see the big daddy in their trailer and they'll be like oh yeah i played that game that's bioshock Mm. okay i'll watch the film because <laughs> um, because honestly, in an ideal world, I think a Bioshock film would stand alongside the games and do that again, do the lighthouse thing again mm. somewhere else, mm. the same way that I imagine the next Bioshock game will, as well. Um, you yeah. obviously, Josh, have had a lot of ideas about where where Bioshock could go and be set, right? <laughs> I have, I have. You can check out that feature on videogamer.com. Uh, one of which we actually heard w- was going to happen in the new Bioshock game. It's oh, like bloody hell, the, yeah. <laughs> set in the Arctic, so I, I, I guess that one. But, you know, check that out. Uh, that'll have to just about do us, I'm afraid. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up. Don't go on uh, Snapchat. Don't go on Instagram. Get yourself on Twitter. At Joshy Wise. At, I want to say, Matt underscore Lorigan. No underscore. All, no all underscore. one thing. Yeah. M A T C. He got. He got. He got the handle. It's the handle. Matt yeah. Lorigan. Classic. I think. There, um, I don't think. There's, I think there's two people out in the world with my name. That's that's genuinely wow. very well, there bizarre. You go. Well, you can get one of them on Twitter at that handle at VideoGamerCom with your questions, your theories, your comments, and your queries. Uh, email podcast at VideoGamer.com with your longer queries, your rambles, your all sorts, your snack recommendations. Uh, head on over to videogamer.com for all your gaming needs. Thank you to Adam Cook, Andy B, and Colin Mahern for the music. Uh, and we will talk to you again next week. It's bye, goodbye from me, goodbye, and it's goodbye from Matt from upstairs. Goodbye. Make sure to write in and complain that Rich wasn't on it. Bye. Bye.